We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 339 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Jay Hilton, and I've got not one, but two Balan experts with me today to help discuss Frank Kessie, who will be a Barca player come this summer. He is joining on a 6.5 million euro net salary plus add-ons as a free agent with a contract until 2026, which, not to alarm you, is only four years away when Kessie will be still 29 years old. Apparently, Xavi called him, so I guess he ignored my request for Bubakar Kamar from Marseille, and unfortunately, maybe Chouameni is indeed going to Madrid. But Xavi has been right every other time with these free engine transfers, so I'm going to trust him on this one, and Yara Tori as well, who also called Kessie to sign for Barcelona. I'm not sure if he's a guy we could trust yet, but we'll have to see. Because to help me discuss Barca's new midfielder is Steve of the Milan Weekly Podcast. Thanks for joining me, Steve. Thank you very much for having me. So to get this started, before we really dive deep into the player that he's been for Milan since 2017, since he arrived, I want to talk about his pre-Milan career pretty quickly. The Ivory Coast-born midfielder has played his entire professional career in Italy, coming up with Ivory Coast Club, and any of anyone from uh, Cote d'Ivoire can correct me on this, but it's Stella Club de Jamais, moving to Atlanta in 2015, still as a teenager, and then a loan move to Cesena got him a season for Atlanta's first team, and a year later, it was already a loan move in 2017 that became a permanent move to Milan in 2019. So what did you know about Cassie before his Milan career? And so the big broad stroke would be, what has he improved upon as a professional in his 214 or so matches for Milan? Yeah, so uh, for for Cassie, I'm not gonna lie to everybody. I didn't know him when he played at Ivory Coast. <laughs> Chesen, I know we 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 followed a little bit because I I'm uh, I'm a cultural junkie and I watch a lot of games. You hear different names, you hear, uh, you see some performances that stand out. But his his tenure at uh, Atalanta was was really what what set him apart, right? And he was. Also, he benefited from Gasparini's system, right? Uh, he had fullbacks around him. Uh, he was able to, you know, do what he does, recuperate balls, roam free, and, you know, use his strength. But it was brute talent. It was just, it was just him using his physical attributes. I think from his time at Atalanta and moving to Milan, we saw him get a little bit more intelligent, stronger, and 
I'm not going to say better on the ball, but I think he's more confident on the ball. Well, going back to even again his start at Milan, did he have a was it a slow start to his Milan career? And then he kind of evolved into the player we know him as today. Yeah, so it was it was tough, you know, like uh, Milan's his time at Milan came with a lot of pressure, right? He was coming from Atalanta on this uh, magically put together two two year loan plus uh, obligation to buy from Atalanta, so there was a lot of pressure on him. There was a lot of pressure on the team. There was a lot of uncertainty around the team. So I don't blame for blame him for the slow, the slow start. Now I put myself back when he started at Milan. I was like, "Wow, what's going on? Like uh, he he can't keep the ball. He's losing the ball. He doesn't look confident. He looks almost lost on the pitch." It was also uh, a little bit to do with his partner in the midfield, right? So, uh, you know, at that time we had Bilia in there and that wasn't the best transfer ever. So now that I look back on there, he had a pretty rough start at Milan, but he evolved into someone who every coach that had him trusted him. And they trusted him because you saw that the talent was there. You saw that the smarts was there and you saw that the hard work was there because he had to work extremely hard to make people forget about the transfer number and how much we paid for him and forget about his time at Atalanta and concentrate now on the Kessie that's at Milan because the Atalanta Kessie was surrounded by a system that was maybe shielding a bit of the, of the flaws in his game. And now you come to a Milan who's in rebuilding we're going to call it rebuilding. It's even embarrassing to say rebuilding. It was a complete, uh, excuse my language, it was a show. So now we see the Frank Kessie evolving into the player that he was supposed to be and was going to probably turn out to be at Atalanta anyways. Yeah, before we talk about him with the ball at his feet, I want to talk about the defensive side of the ball. And I've got some numbers here on the pressing, but before we do any of that, I think the eye test immediately tells people, and I think this is what I keep seeing from Kool-Aid who've never watched him, who just tune in for the highlights and the YouTube, you know, check it in, you, you Google or Google search, YouTube highlights, you know, welcome to Barcelona, of course. So you look at a player like Kessie and see just how strong he is, how much of his game is actually physicality as opposed to how much people might perceive might be his physicality. Because he's not too tall, but he certainly is a strong player. You clearly see that. Yeah, and uh, look, uh, physicality. For me, uh, watching the game, I grew up with a dad who loved calcio. I played myself. It doesn't look like it to people of the Barcelona podcast, but yes, I played soccer. And I like to watch the game. I like to watch what's happening away from the ball. And that's why Frank Kessie, for me, I've been a huge supporter of him. Even now, I don't want to go in the drama. I appreciate what he did for Milan. He came at a really tough time. But him, the player, just to go back to your question, he's intelligent on when he needs to exert energy. He might, he might, people might see him and perceive him as lazy or not someone who's always in the right spot. But I see him as someone that defensively, he's going to exert the energy that he needs to when he needs to at the right time. And not run around with a ch- like a chicken without his head, right? Uh, so the smarts of his game and how he's developed in that double pivot, which is a completely different role than when he had an Atalanta lining up with five midfielders in a 3-5-2, is sometimes you're going to need to 
be involved in the game and play an important role in the game, but your name is not going to end up in the newspaper. And that's what Barcelona fans have to have to have to really pay attention to, because we know, you know, I watch La Liga too. I watch Barcelona fans. They're like Milan fans. They're very demanding. But someone like Kessie won't show you stats. You could have all the numbers that you want, but the real and true fan that will watch him and appreciate what he does will see him and see what he does off the ball, man marking, being in the right spot. There's no real stats for that. Well, they're, 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 it sounds like you've actually answered my next question already because <laughs> as I as far as pressing goes, that's the next thing I want to talk about because with Xavi's system, Barcelona are pressing a lot higher up the field. They're pressing with a bit more intensity and more as a unit. He individually is in the 27th percentile of pressures per game, which is not high, obviously. But the eye test of what, again, the limit of what I've seen him and the few times I've watched Milan this year, show tell me at least seeing is that he's better than that. That individually, yeah, his ability to move with players and track players individually and even what he can do individually for you, I've seen that he can use his athleticism to close down one man quickly who has the ball or just stick with his man and deny his man to turn, which again, doesn't. there's no stat for that, you know, denial of turn on the ball. There's no stat of denial to your guy getting a pass in the, in a, as a progressive pass, 15, 20 yards, right? And denying that ball. So do you think, looking forward to his time at Barca, do you think his pressing abilities are better utilized when the game plan says to be conservative, which again, is not how Barca wants to press or play with the ball. They want to obviously get the ball back as fast as possible. Or when the game plan says go all out, as Barca will likely try to to utilize him with. Do you think it's going to support him or not? I think it's going to support him. And I think it's going to support him because at Milan, he's been such a foundation in that midfield. He's always been there. And when we haven't had him, it was been, it's been very hard. Before the acquisition of Tonali, it, uh, it was very hard to replace him. It was very hard to find, you know, if Frank Kessie gets hurt, what are we going to do? Now, things have changed. And, and again, his style of play has changed and the double pivot at Milan has changed and their pressing has changed too. But, you know, the Italian game is all about, it is about pressing, but it's calculated pressing. So that's why that stat is a bit, you know, it's hard, it's hard to talk uh, on that stat, but he's constantly running around. He's constantly doing it. He's constantly having the ball on his foot. He might not have that at Barcelona. So he'll have more energy and he'll have a more defined role in the Barcelona style pressing that's going to probably help him moving forward. But like we said, and again, I'm, I'm really, I'm like vice president of, uh, of the Fran, uh, Frank Kessie Fran, Fran Club and you won't see that. You, it's going to be hard to see it because there's not really a lot of stats that are going to make it Fluffy. I like to call it those fluffy stats. Mm -hmm. The 900 passes that Barcelona is going to do. Well, he's going to have a hundred of them and they're going to be all either sideways or negative because they don't want, they don't need him to be on the ball. They have other players that, 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 that are supposed to be on the ball. Milan needed him to be on the ball because we had no one else. Mm -hmm. So you had to recuperate balls and be some sort of a distributor. So I'm pretty sure you're going to have a question on goal scoring and stuff later. If you don't, we'll talk about that because well, that's probably... I actually want to go in the opposite direction. I want to head all yeah. the way back because yeah. when he needs to drop in and aid with buildup as a third center back or step in for a fullback when the fullback bombs forward, 
Ava Jordi Alba or Sergino Des on the right side. How much do you trust him and how much have you trusted him in those situations when he drops? One hundred percent. One hundred percent. He's for Milan, he's played at center back when we had injury problems. He plays on the same side as uh, Tio Hernandez. So on the left hand side, once Theo runs wild, there's always someone, there's always someone back there. And it's usually Frank Kessie. And he's gonna, you know, he switches, he alternates with uh, Ben Asad where they will uh, you know shift down into the center back position and start the and build play f- from the center back. So Barcelona fans have nothing to worry about that. He's very responsible for that. He will make a mistake. Everybody makes mistakes, but I have I have no problem with that. My problem is once you once you take me up the pitch. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano. Or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough, and as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, 
all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Well, we're going to go all the way, all the way up the pitch to the penalty spot before we talk about open play. He has scored 36 goals in his time at Milan, quite a few of them coming at the penalty spot. What makes him such a great PK taker? And I ask that because Messi was the guy for so long for Barca. Mevis Dubai seems to be one of the options, but Ferran Torres can take them. Aubameyang could take them. There's a number of guys that could take that over, but it seems like just numerically that Kessie is, I mean, that's a specialty of his. Yeah, it, it has always been a specialty of his. He was, uh, you know, he's he's very good at uh, at taking spot kicks. I think it's just the calmness of it. It's the the run up. Some people don't like the run up. I'm more of a soccer purist. I just want to run up to the ball and you know and and smash it. And I think that's what that's when 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 he's taking them well. That's what he's doing. When he starts to try to second guess himself, that's when he starts to miss. And you know, he starts to give some tells to the keeper. Uh, for them to try to stop them. He's missed a couple recently. I don't think there's a problem with that, but uh, to all the Barcelona fans, I I think he's down in the pecking order of people that are going to be taking spot kicks for Barcelona going forward. Well, you know, I'm like a 1996 MLS purist where I think it should be a 40-yard run-up and then uh, (laughs) I I, I, I kid in jest. It would would make penalty kicks take forever. I I don't want to sit through that. So back to, again, how he might score then and help the attack in that way where... We've seen Xavi's interiors. And before we talk about the position between pivot and interiors and things like that, I want you to avoid that with this with this question about the goal scoring. But in this hypothetical situation where he is playing as one of the interiors in a 4-3-3 under Xavi, there is moments where he's asking his high interiors. We've seen Pedri, Gabi, and De Jong did it last year, doing it some this year, getting forward, making runs into the box, or shooting from distance. How else, other than the, the penalty spot, could he pop up and score a goal? So that's the problem. He's going to be in really dangerous positions. My issue with Kessie, and it's something that I've just, I, I fail to understand why this happens to him all the time. I feel the closer he is to goal, the worse off he is, and, and the lesser of a chance that you have to score a goal, believe it or not. We've seen him miss, you know, chances, you know, sitters from the six-yard box. But as he goes further and, and we go towards the 20-yard box, I think, he, I think he's confident. I think, you know, it, it's not going to be the same as what you're seeing at Milan now if you watch Milan where uh, it's more, you know, the shot comes second, pass comes first. I think it'll be the same at Barcelona. I, I, I don't think that he's going to try. But when he tries, further away that he is from the, the goal, the better chance you have that he's going to score a goal. He's just, he's just really either unlucky or not comfortable in that scorer's position to get those type of goals. And then out of nowhere, you'll get a fantastic strike from inside the 20-yard box that's going to go in. We haven't seen him. Uh, something also with Kessie that's really strange. Doesn't really get involved in corner kicks in terms of like uh, being inside the, the box and getting to the spot in dangerous positions. So you're not going to see goals coming from, from headers from him. But again, the, the major message, my message, and why I thank you again for letting me on the Barcelona podcast because I really like Frank Kessie. I think Barcelona is getting a great player. But the fans are going to need to manage their expectations in terms of what they're going to get from Frank Kessie. Well, I think the big question, and it's going to be an unanswered question, and one of the reasons why 
when I look at that Barcelona midfield, it concerns me that he is not a traditional single pivot defensive midfielder. And those are hard to come by in modern football. There's not a lot of them. The double pivot seems to be where world football is going. And Busquets is, has just been such the guy at that position for Barca for so long. So moving on from him, it was never going to be easy, but it seems like this signing doesn't necessarily fit that. However, you know, that that's, I guess a twofold question I ask you that do you think if Kessie were to be given the keys to that sports car <laughs> that is the the pivot the single pivot spot at Barcelona how would he handle that and then part two of that is if that probably isn't the right idea because as we said his numbers his characteristics make him a okay interior or they characterize him as an interior in Xavi system what kind of player would he have to be next to to mesh well with in a double pivot because my concern looking at it on paper is that he and De Young are a little bit redundant and don't necessarily complement each other. They may overlap more than complement, just on paper at least. Yeah, on paper, I got to agree. Uh, they, they do they do overlap each other. Uh, giving Kessie the keys, mm, I, would, I wouldn't do that. I don't think that's something that he wants. I don't think that's something that he's going to be comfortable in. And I think you're setting him up to fail. But if you give him the co-pilot seat, I think he's going to succeed at Barcelona. But the driver needs to be someone who is very positive in terms of the way he goes forward, very decisive into what he's going to do. And Kessie cleans up after that, right? If he does lose possession, Kessie will regain you that possession. Again, that type of player, like you said, in the single, in the single midfielder role, in today's game, we can probably count on our, on one hand how many there is. So double pivot, you need one of each. You need someone who can, you know, control the game and the tempo of the game. And you need someone who is, you know, very strong. And, of course, in today's game, you cannot have just one single talent. Recuperating balls is not the talent that's going to make you a professional. The rest will be a, a ton more professionals. Someone who's also, if if needed, be comfortable on the ball, but I don't think he wants the keys and the co the 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 the, the co pilot seat is the seat that belongs to Frank Kessie. And the last question for you, Steve. Uh, I think I have seen some criticism, and this might just be uh, frustrated Milan fans with seeing him leave on a free transfer. But his first touch has been called heavy in the past. Do you think he'll struggle? where close control is so essential in that midfield? Because it's one thing for Aubameyang, a former Milan player as well, uh, way back in the day, for him to struggle with his first touch as the center forward. But, you know, the first touch of a midfielder for Barcelona just needs to be elite. It needs, I mean, that's that's really the word I'm looking for. Yeah, it has to be top-shelf elite. Look, it's not top-shelf elite. But again, in the possession game that Barcelona plays and the, the way they like to move around the ball, I don't, I don't see it being being an issue uh, just because it's going to be a lot of one-touch one touch stuff that's going to go to someone, again, that maestro that controls whoever the Barcelona decides they're going to give the keys to. But a heavy touch? Ah, Milan fans getting just a little bit too dramatic over this, this transfer saga. That's not a heavy touch at all. If we're gonna, if that's a heavy touch, then then a lot of people have serious problems and should not be playing in the teams that they play. If that's a heavy touch, 
Well, Steve, you were excellent here. You're from the Milan Weekly Podcast, but yeah, where can people find you? I mean, I I, I gave it, but uh, where where are where can people look for you? Let's put it that yeah, way. Yeah, so uh, thank you again for letting me on uh, the Barcelona podcast. It's a great pleasure. I love talking uh, soccer with uh, with uh, anybody. You can find us at Twitter at uh, Milan Weekly Pod, uh, YouTube as well, uh, Milan Weekly Podcast on YouTube. You can subscribe there. We talk everything Milan. Uh, every Monday night live at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We are from Canada. Imagine we do play soccer in Canada and we talk about Milan and love Milan. And again, it's a, it's a community thing, right? Uh, like Exactly like you guys in Barca, we, we, this all started because of Milan Club Montreal. And, uh, you know, that's a local supporter group here in Montreal for uh, Milan. You see in the back, guys, the jerseys are up. It's not a, It's not a fake. It's not a... It's not me just uh, making things pretty for for Dan and his podcast. It's the real deal. There's a lot of my wife me, sits. Yeah. My wife sits right next to me. You don't see we we hit her desk very well, but she said yes to this. Uh, she had no choice to say yes to this decoration, right? So uh, this is what comes up, uh, you know, and what you get from us. And uh, again, uh, us Dan, it's you know, it's a little bit more. Co- you're I'm gonna give you top credit. You're very straight. The questions are fantastic and really make you think. Talk about Calcio. On Milan Weekly Podcast, we're screaming at everybody. We're yelling. We're complaining. We do what we do to make uh, people enjoy their uh, their Monday nights. And Lord knows that uh, after these two years that passed, everybody needs a laugh once in a while. So if we could do that for anybody, come and join. Even if you're a Barca fan, trust me, we'll make fun of you too. All right. Well, thanks so much, Steve. Thank you. Joining me now is Luca from the Milan Guys podcast. Luca, thanks for joining the show. Dan, it's an absolute honor. I'm uh, ready to uh, talk about the man who snaked me on. Yeah, so we are talking, or continuing to talk about Frank Kessie, I should say. And, you know, I I think what I've been seeing, and you're much more plugged in, obviously, to Milan fans, but what I'm seeing online seems to be some people are sad to see him leave. Some are kind of saying, hey, if you're going to go on a free transfer, in the same way that Kool-Aid did the same thing with Dembele, obviously, they say, if you're going to leave on a free like this and you're going to leave midway, basically midway through the season when we know you're leaving, don't let the door hit you on the way out. But as far as the way in which he's leaving and Frank Kessie coming to Barcelona, what is the vibe from Milan supporters about him, his time at Milan and then to seek greener pastures, if you will? Well, I think it's a 50-50 as well. Like right now, we did a couple of polls on our Twitter account and it was kind of like, um, you know, you have fans saying on the one side, who cares? Like, you know, let them walk, let them leave. We don't want players like that who um, who want to leave and don't care about the club, don't love the club. Kind of like Guzman Dembele, kind of like what you said. But then you have the other side saying, basically blaming management, maybe saying we should pay them more. Maybe it's not 50-50. Maybe I'm kind of, maybe it's more of like a 60-40 to 60% saying let him walk. I don't care. I think the way he's leaving though, the way it's happened and how it's transpired over the last season, the last eight months, let's say, that's what's going to leave a sour taste in everybody's mouth, I think. In the summertime, so Milan made uh, qualified for the Champions League uh, last spring for the first time in eight years. Kesti was a big part of that. He had a fantastic season last year. Then he played for the, in the Olympics for Ivory Coast in the summer. He had an interview in the Olympics saying, he, he legitimately came out and said, and you can look this up even after if you want that, the actual quote itself is all over the place. He actually came out and said, basically, I love Milan. Like, I love when the fans sing, like, they call, like his nickname is the president. I love when the fans call me the president. 
I love when they chant my name. I love this club. And he said, if it were up to me, or yeah, I'm, I'm not even sure if he said that. I think he said, I want to be here forever. He said, when I get home from the Olympics, I'm going to sort everything out. He came out and like nobody asked him, do you want to be at Milan forever? He literally came out and said those words. That's that's why you can't take anything a player says. For, you, you always got to take it with a grain of salt. He literally came out and said that. And then he rejects all these money, all these offers, you know, with six million euros, six and a half million euros, agents being greedy, agent fees, keeps rejecting all these offers, according to Italian media, like trusted sources. And then he, he hasn't really had that great of a season this year. He's had a couple really good games, don't get me wrong. In the Champions League, he had a couple of disaster classes, but he also had a couple fantastic performances in the Champions League as well. In the City A, he has had a season that he's costed the team a couple of goals, but he's also played very well uh, as of recent. And yeah, it's just kind of a weird situation. But, you know, for all this to happen, like, you know, basically all the reliable sources in Europe saying that he signed the contract, he did his medical, for all that to happen with eight games left in the season when Milan are currently first place in the table and like trying to win their first major trophy since 2011, it's, you know, as you as a, as a fan of Barca and as a football fan yourself, you could probably see why that'd be a big conflict of interest for fans, for the team, everything like that. Well, when you said that about actively saying out loud that I want to stay and leave, it reminds me actually of Kyrie Irving when he promised the Boston Garden <laughs> for the Boston Celtics that, of course, I'm going to retire a Celtic. Yeah. And we know how yeah, that worked you out. You know what? But I think that Kyrie guy, he's, there's some, he's, he's a different guy. He's, I agree. <laughs> yeah. I to agree. be nice about it, he's different. Yeah, yeah, I agree. He's different. So, yeah, you kind of already answered my question, but I, I want to follow up to fill in any gaps that you may not have missed with this. But how has he fit into a Milan side that is challenging for the Scudetti, as you mentioned? It's been a long time since Milan has captured that trophy and currently leading the pack by three points. You know, I, I kind of think it's a little overdone that. It's a, it's a distraction for a player. I think players, when they play and they're in a side for a season, they're in that side, unless they're a player like Gareth Bale from Real Madrid who is actively trying to, to get himself out, or especially over the summertime when players are trying to get themselves out of situations during preseason. But when you're in the slog of a season, you know, and it's March, and he knows, if anything, I think the comparison continues with Dembele, that there seems to be, I mean, there might be a peace with the player, that the player knows that their future is not in question, that they know they're leaving on a free now that he knows he's going to Barcelona. And I mean, I guess my counter argument would be that you might actually see like a, a focus and a, a Frank Kessie that is, that is bought in for the last two months of that season. But as you said, this year isn't necessarily the same year that he had last year. Do you think those contract talks and things like that have worn on him this year? And I guess you could talk about what he is on the field as well. I think that's the important part. Yeah, I think uh, the noise in the back has, has affected him. Like I said, last year he was incredible. He was a lock in the lineup. And now there's games where we go with Tonali and Benacer in the midfield and Kessie will get a rest. And, and people say, we don't need Kessie. We can get a replacement for him. Who cares? Kessie's a good player. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to sit here and say he's a bad player. He does have his moments where he makes a dumb decision. He's strong. He was strong as hell. And that's on the ball. He can shoulder anybody in the world. And get take the ball off of them, but I think I don't know. I picture the locker room, and and everybody knows that he's leaving. Would you want to fight for a guy to the end with a guy who you know is he's leaving you guys, and it's for free too? He's not even getting sold; it's his choice. He's going somewhere else, mm. and to leave a team that's doing well too, right? Like, like like to leave a team where he gets minutes and they're doing well. Like it's not like if Milan were in eighth place and struggling all year. Sure, of course. Like he want to leave, he want to go upgrade, but right now a team that's in first place and, you know, challenging for, you know, obviously a Champions League berth again and the Scudetto, 
that's you're not really unless you're leaving for a couple of teams in Europe, that's not an immediate upgrade right now, right? You know what I mean? So that's it's just it's it's definitely a weird situation, and I'm happy it's going to come to an end because I don't want to hear anything else about his contract talks. But I think his agent played a big role in it too. He wanted a big commission fee, which I think Barca is giving him. And I'm not sure exactly what the number is, but I don't know. I think I think it might affect the locker room. To be honest, too, because if, he, if he's confirmed he's gone, he's leaving. Like I said, would you want to fight with someone, fight for someone that is is leaving you guys and isn't going to be a part of your future? I don't know. Like, there's some people who are saying for Pioli, our coach, to just not play him. Okay, no problem. You want to leave? Okay, then you're not going to see Matt. But then it's like, well, well, we need him to help put that Scudetto charge, right? So it's kind of a very just tough situation for everybody. Well, other than his time at Milan, yeah, I think putting that behind him and trying to take the player that he is, we'll say last year and this year, the player who at his best, we'll say in theory, right, that he would arrive to Catalonia wanting to play in Catalonia and being whatever the, his best self might be. There are still some numbers I want to talk to you about here. Should kool be concerned with his lack of progressive passes? Now, I looked it up. He is in the 47th percentile at 3.86 per 90 while Busquets is in the 96th percentile. Let me read that again for you. 47th percentile progressive passing for Kessie, 96th percentile for Busquets with 6.86 per 90. De Young, Frankie De Young that is, is in the 71st percentile with 4.84 per 90, and Pedri is in the 83rd percentile at 5.48. So just an entirely different player, it sounds like, in that aspect of the game. And the question would be, I mean, what are his shortfalls that Xavi will need to improve for the 25-year-old if he's to succeed? And is him him being such or seemingly such a radically different player as far as, you know, moving the ball forward in progressive areas that doesn't seem to be his game? Is that a skill that you think might be adaptable for him? Um, well, it's kind of funny, those numbers that you just threw out. I mean, like the Busquets compared to, to Kessie. But you know what? Kessie and Busquets are like polar opposites of players, midfielders. Kessie has... When he first came to Milan four years ago, maybe four years ago or five years ago, 2017, 2018. Yeah, 2017. Um, yep. a, yeah, a lot of a lot of Milanese didn't like him. Uh, he didn't really fit the style. We played a four-three-three, and I remember we played with Vincenzo um, Montella. We played a three-five-two, and Kessie wasn't he wasn't as dynamite in a four-three-three. And correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure Xavi plays a four-three-three at Barcelona, right? It's, it's probably going to be a 4-3-3. He's also yeah. flirted with the idea of a 3-4-3. But yeah, likely if... I mean, the real question comes down to, and we talked about this earlier, is it going to be a single pivot? Is it going to be a double pivot? And that really becomes the question. But if it's a 4-3-3, it'll be likely Kessie as an interior. You're right. So if it's a 4-3-3, he actually struggled in that role at Milan. So that's why I'm not... I don't know about the fit itself. I'm not saying he's not going to do well because he might. But he's um, ever since Pioli came in with Milan and changed the formation to a four-two-three-one, which is the double pivot, Kessie has shined like completely. He, he's become a different player. He became a player that you literally have to have on the field every minute, every game. He he's not a guy who's going to create offense that much offense. He's going to win the ball. He's going to he's tireless. You know he runs for ninety minutes. He doesn't get injured. He's not he doesn't get injured at all. I think he's only missed like three three or four games in his Milan career. So he's, he's not injury prone. He, he has 10 lungs. He's, he's a beast. He's a beast when it comes to that, in that respect. <clears throat> he's not someone who's going to create goals, not someone who's going to create offense. 
Um, he takes penalties. I, I don't know. He, he probably will fit in fine with Barcelona, to be completely honest with you. Like, they have some quality now there. I, I just don't really know exactly how he'll fit and how Xavi's going to make him fit unless they change a formation. Because he, he wasn't good in a 4-3-3 with Milan. He wasn't that effective. Him going up and down, you know, especially interior, going up, down, he can do it. But in a double pivot, he was, he's been fantastic for us. And maybe now, like, I don't know, the last last couple of games of the season, if Kessie's going to play, maybe as you as a Barca fan should catch a Milan game and kind of see how he is in a double pivot. And you'll, you'll probably agree with me saying, okay, yeah, he's, he's really good in, 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 a, in a position where to play with someone like Frankie de Jong, someone who, like, it's kind of reminds, like, Ponadli, they're kind of, they have similarities like Ben Asserd, like more technical midfielders. He really thrives with doing that. And he can also, he can man mark, he can shadow a player too. He's done it before in the Derby against Inter. And he's done it before. He didn't do that well most recent time, but he's done it in other, in other matches. I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to see. I will catch some Barcelona games just to see what Kessie does next season because I've seen him grow as a player. And I know his strengths and weaknesses. And I'd like to see if, if Xavi can kind of help that. Well, one of the better numbers that I that I like to see when looking at some of his stuff was a 3.24 progressive passes received per 90, putting him in the 85th percentile in that category, meaning he is putting himself in dangerous spots and he's receiving the ball in dangerous spots. And to tell you where he fits in the 85th percentile there, Pedri is in the 97th percentile in that category, and Ferran Torres is in the 93rd percentile for Barcelona. So what I do, that kind of number can indicate that this is a player that understands how to find space. And in Xavi systems, whether it's a 4-3-3 or, as I said, hypothetically that 3-4-3, it's all about finding the open space and not to say formulaically trying to follow the game plan to the letter, but he's going to know that his job is to get the ball out to the wings, let the wingers do their things who are wide on the touchline. And in the middle of that field, whether he's pairing with Pedri or Frankie de Young or playing in front of Sergio Busquets or even Nico Gonzalez or Gabi, whoever it may be, his job is going to be to get forward, I think, and not necessarily make those marauding runs, but to find space and continue to shuttle ball, the ball forward to whoever it may be, Ansu Fati or Obama Yang. You know, hopefully, again, Ansu's healthy. We'll, we'll have to see with that. And two of the players that Kessie compares to based on some of those metrics I've read out, here are Sevilla, even Rakitic. So not Barca Rakitic, but Sevilla Rakitic, who's a, who's a bit more involved in the attack if you will, and then Fede Valverde from Real Madrid. Not the one that we saw in El Clasico, but the one that's, that's done well against Barcelona. And I, I think that makes sense in terms of covering a lot of ground, defending well, and getting forward when asked. Do you have other comparisons? And, uh, you know, for our La Liga base, you know, there's some Premier League watching, I think. There's some there's some La Liga or in Liga watching, but I don't know if how much Serie A watching there is. So if you start to rattle off a ton of different midfielders in Serie A, you might, you might lose us on, on some of that. Yeah, I, I kind of find it hard to find a comparison to Frank Kessie, I'll be honest with you. I really like how you're putting all these numbers. These numbers are interesting. Um, these numbers I don't look at, that I, I haven't seen. So they're interested to see these numbers. I don't know. I, I, Kessie is kind of hard to, he's kind of like a, um, he's not a six. He doesn't play as a six. He's like an eight, but he's also kind of like a seven almost. Like he, the way he plays is he's a, he's a, he's a destroyer. Meaning that he's always he's he runs tirelessly. He's always in the ball. He's always there. He makes himself available for passes. He touches the ball a lot, as you just said. 
with the stat, that makes sense, especially the ball a ton, especially in, in a double pivot. The defenders, so the two center backs, the fullback, especially how Milan play, we build up. It's really slow build up a lot. Kessie touched it all the time. If it, I can only, again, I'm trying to think, you know, Premier League, maybe La Liga. I'm I'm trying to struggling to find a player who is a direct comparison to to Kessie. Like when I when I look around and let's say in the Premier League, for example. I know a lot of clubs actually wanted Kessie in the Premier League, and apparently he rejected them to go to Barca. I can't, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. I'd actually like to see. Are you looking at like top five European league numbers? Like, are there any players who, in the Premier League, for example, who have similar, like, analytic or you know, advanced stats well, to him? Well, yeah. To go, I mean, to to double all the way back to what I had kind of compared in terms of a long piece I did weeks ago about quote unquote replacing Busquets. Kessie came up as far as one of those technical, technically a candidate, but also technically not. He wasn't very high on my list for the simple fact that his progress, as I said, his long passing, his progressive passing didn't really pair out where with some of even the other free agents, like uh, we're not free, uh, even Oshuamani, who plays for Monaco, he's yeah. not a free agent, but his long passing is much better than than Kessie's, as is uh, Maxence Cacletz, who plays for Lyon. His mm-hmm. long passing is much, much better. And then Bubakar Kamara, whose long passing is much better. So those are just three names right off the top for you that I thought would be a quote-unquote better replacement for Busquets in a single pivot. And I think, again, I, I think you and, you know, and even Barca supporters themselves and me looking at the player and of what, I, you know, limited of what I've watched him, of him is only maybe four to five, six matches. If anything, actually, I saw arguably more of him when he played for Atlanta than I have for Milan, oddly enough, even though he was only there for a hot minute. I just happened to really? that season catch a bunch of Syria when he was on, on the really? way up, but he was still so young at the time. But He's it, versatile. He's versatile too, eh? Like, he, he can play. He actually started a little bit. He played a little bit of center back at Atlanta. And a couple games, a couple years ago, not not recently, he actually filled in as a center back when we were in an emergency uh, with injury or something like that. He actually filled in like... Very versatile, like and he runs tirelessly. So Barca fans are gonna love him for that. Mm-hmm. Does chase around his first touch sometimes. That's probably one of his big weaknesses. <laughs> That's kind of one of the things that piss off Milanese Milan fans sometimes. But um, I, I'm just you know, as you were talking too, I'm just trying to think of a good comparison. I just don't well, have a player well, who's what- exactly like him. Well, what I can promise you is because Yaga Tori was the one who got on the phone along with Xavi to try to convince him mm-hmm. to come to Barcelona. I guarantee you, the first time he has a fantastic match for Barca, he's going to be prepared to. He's going to be compared to Yaga Tori. That's my oh, guarantee. Probably. That's the very first yeah, thing that's know, going to happen. He's from Ivory Coast. It makes sense. Yeah. it's a perfect match, right? Or, you know, or in the same country. Or if he does have a great performance in a single pivot role, he's going to be compared to Sadio Keita, the the Mali center back or the uh, defensive midfielder from Barca pass as well. So uh-huh. that's the same yeah. era that those are going to be the Barcelona comparisons when he plays well. And, and again, that's, that's because I think, uh, you know, players from Africa tend to be put in some kind of box. And that's why I even try to give metrics and understandings and comparisons that don't necessarily put players just in a box based on the country they <laughs> of origin or that kind of thing. But yeah, it'll yeah. be interesting to see. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I will have to tune into a few Milan games before the end of this season. And hopefully again, then Milan decides to play him and not <laughs> sit him on the bench. I think they will. Now, I, don't, but, I don't think, yeah. I think he'd be stupid for Pioli not to play him because we're trying to win here. Right. So if you can help us win, it doesn't really matter, right? Like he's leaving, great, but at least help us before you leave. Like as long as he's 
you know what? Sega's over, whatever. I wish, I wish, like, my, my question is, why couldn't this wait till, you know, end of May? Maybe, mm-hmm. like, if they already have a deal in place, why can't the medical happen after the season's done and everything like that? But, like, what's the rush to do a medical right now with eight games left? You know what I mean? Like, you, I don't know. But I guess it, that's just how football works. Like, a lot of players, I think, is it Sula, Sula in, in Germany? He's, yeah. They already announced, like, in January that he's going to join Dortmund. Um, like it's just very weird. I hate when that happens, but yeah, you should watch and you'll see exactly what kind of player he is. And he might have a, you know, he has good games that like he can, I don't know if you guys have a set penalty taker these days, but oh, he might come in and be that guy takes penalties. He's pretty good. He's only missed a couple. Uh, it was a guy and, named Messi for a long, long time. So I yeah, think, I think it's Lionel, yeah. not fully understood, but uh, Memphis, Memphis Dubai has actually been uh, the most prolific from the spot for Barca so mm-hmm. far this year as, as he's, you know, been in and out of the lineup, yeah. but yeah. yeah. So Luca, this was great. Thank you for this. Uh, where can people find you in case I have any closet Milan fans who follow Milan as their second team? <laughs> yeah, Dan, it was a really good opportunity. Thanks so much for uh, for having me on. Yeah. You can follow us at the Milan guys on Twitter. You'll see our accounts there. We have a, you know, Instagram and TikTok and everything like that, but Twitter's our main page. So if uh, you're interested, just toss the follow. Uh, if you have any questions about Cassie, toss the DM and I can, uh, I can surely answer that for you. All right. Thanks so much, Luca. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate the time. And thanks to you, the listeners, as this wraps up another edition of the show. We're on Twitter and Instagram at the Barcelona Pod or at Hilton D13 for me. And you can join our closed Facebook group, the Barcelona Podcast. Answer those questions. I let you in. And Patreon is how we keep making these shows. Always, always appreciate the help over there. You can also listen to these shows without the ads over there. So that's a little incentive to support the show. And we're on YouTube with the match reviews and bonus content as well at the Barcelona Podcast. And most importantly, thanks so much for listening to the show. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Of course, the Barcelona.